0: Welcome to Hire the Smile, the podcast on all things related to human resources in veterinary medicine. Join me, Katie Ardeline, and my colleague, Mike Pownell as we discuss how to support and take care of the people who are instrumental in making your business a success.
1: Great businesses share one common feature. They focus on taking care of their employees. They create businesses where everyone feels empowered and motivated to be the best they can be. Hi, it's Mike Paddle, as always with Katie Line, and welcome to Hire the Smile, our podcast related to all things human resource in the veterinary profession. How are you, Katie?
0: Just dandy, Mike. How are you?
1: I am suffering from a bit of jet lag. Mm, you went somewhere. <laughs> I spent the last two weeks in the United Arab Emirates, which was really a lot of fun. So prior to the pandemic, as you know, I was probably spending as much time on planes going somewhere as I was at home. And then the pandemic hits. I haven't been on a plane. I haven't traveled within, I don't know, two hours of where I live in the last two and a half years, two years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the first trip, let's just fly across the world. You know, why not? Let's just dive in. Do it up. Yep. And it was wonderful. We were working with uh, a couple of our clients in Dubai. So Yelp Loman's, who's part of Oculus in the uh, Netherlands, and I a client that went to one of our summits in 2018. Can you believe it? And Mm -hmm. one of the subjects we were talking about was human resources. And her memory, three years later, she reached out to us last year and said, hey, can you help us? So we did. And while we were over there, World Veterinary Association Congress was going on the first time in the Middle East country. And uh, that was mind boggling. More to come on that. As I was saying to Katie before we started recording, I met some incredible people. This is one of my favorite conferences I think I've ever been to. Wow, and so we're going to feature some of these guests in an upcoming podcasts because it was just out of this world. I thought living in Toronto, and everybody says Toronto is the most ethnically diverse city in the world mm-hmm. that I had seen at all. sitting in my hotel, walking the streets, being around, uh, Dubai is like being around the United Nations. It was just from all extremes. It was incredible. So wow. yeah, I've heard languages I've never heard before, and I've <laughs> talked to veterinarians from parts of Africa that uh, just your mind just opens up. That's great.: Yeah. So that was the last two weeks, but for this episode of the podcast, we thought we would talk about employee reviews. Mm-hmm. It is the season. Every February, March-ish, Aprilish, we're running a bit late, and we are. We're in employee reviews season, and I know at my own practice. Key penalty one services. We've been doing a boatload.
0: Mm-hmm. It's the most wonderful time of the year.
1: It is. It is <laughs> actually, when done right, it is totally. It used to be. We'll, we'll talk about it. It's just most times, employee reviews is just like dreading it. Mm-hmm. Dreading it. It's
0: true. But, it doesn't have to be that way.
1: It doesn't have to be that way. So I know we have you and I have got to do a review later this afternoon and bunch tomorrow, and so uh, these are fun times. So. We'll talk about our system of reviews, but Katie, perhaps you can talk about why people don't like reviews and why most performance reviews kind of suck.
0: So I think the big reason that people dislike performance reviews is they tend to be uh, this once a year thing that happens uh, and they're highly stressed and pressurized situations. And often this is the first time people are hearing about their performance For the first time in the last 364 days. So they're not necessarily relevant. They can often be one sided. So it's just the the management side without the employees or anybody else having any input. But it can just be a really uh, uncomfortable type of uh, situation or experience for people for sure. But like we said, I mean, it doesn't really have to be that way. And you know, there's there's some challenges also that come along when we're not checking in with people on a regular basis. You know, when we're not giving people feedback throughout the year, they don't get the guidance they need to correct their what they're doing, or also don't get the praise that they deserve for doing a great job. Another challenge, too, is just by the way that performance reviews are, they're really backward looking. So instead of you're addressing things that happened in the past, and really, what's the point of that? So it's a bit of, it's not really all that relevant, because really performance management on a whole is supposed to be about development, and it's supposed to be about improving as well. So another challenge is that often at review time, we try to do too many things at once. So, you know, we're giving people improvement advice. We're also maybe talking about wage increases. We're looking at past performance. We're talking about goals. Really, what we should be doing is separating that stuff out. So uh, it's not such an overwhelming experience. And really specific improvement advice, it should be happening in real time anyway. You know, somebody shouldn't have to wait eight months to hear that they've been doing something wrong. Like that's the cardinal sin of performance reviews, is surprising somebody with that kind of information. It's never a nice place to be in when you have to be on the management side and you give somebody that kind of feedback, you know that you have failed. So that's that's a huge pickle that comes along with performance management.
1: I find you and I have both been on that side of surprising somebody. Yeah. And and I put myself in their shoes. It's like, it's April now. And if we bring up something that happened in September or October, January or February, and it's the first time hearing it, they feel betrayed because what you knew this all along and you let me carry on with my poor performance and people get hurt and they lose Mm -hmm. trust of who they work with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, it comes down to us as as managers and as leaders, either not knowing how to give effective feedback or you just sort of have a culture where you sweep things under the rug mm-hmm. or everybody gets in trouble for the sins of one person. It can be really tough in that situation to justify why they're hearing about this feedback so much later. It makes you feel bad as a leader because you haven't sort of held up your end of the bargain as far as mm-hmm. performance management
1: goes. It's interesting. I know you and I, Separately, have been working with a lot of practices with their employee engagement surveys, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and you know when we do in our employee engagement survey, there's two tiers. Let's call it one is just uh, online, uh, we get the responses, we tabulate it, uh, and we sort of we can get the measurements and we get comments, so we can identify some themes. Then the next level, which is preferable but more in depth, is where we do a lot of interviewing of staff and trying to see what's going on behind the curtain and really dig down to some of these themes and. It's amazing how many practices you go to who say, you know, when you talk to the employees, they're like, when's the last time you've had a performance evaluation? And it's like, two years ago, never. Mm-hmm. Three years ago, you often talk to the practice owners afterwards and they're like, what do you mean? We do an evaluation every year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think what it tells us is that how we do evaluations often don't work. And one of the things that I found from uh, doing these interviews with people is, People want these evaluations. People yeah. want to know how they're doing. They want to know how they can improve. So I think there's a real disconnect of what we think employees want, what we want as owners or leaders, and what we all do.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that to the defense of you know especially smaller veterinary practices, there aren't a lot of people to put these reviews together. Sure. And especially in the last couple of years, it's been really really busy. Uh, you know, with COVID and and all of the challenges that have come along with that. So I can understand if you know they haven't put together a, a huge, big performance review with all sorts of inputs and, and put it all together, but that doesn't really excuse not checking in with people on a regular basis, which we'll be talking about here in the second part of
1: this podcast. But yep.
0: you know, there are simple ways that we can do performance management without it being the giant yearly review.
1: So before we jump in any further, one of the things I think we just want to clarify is What is the benefit? Like, what are we trying to achieve with a performance review?
0: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, it's a tool to help people improve. Yeah. It helps them personally, and it helps you as a company as well. So it should be a win-win situation. At the end of the day, that's what it is.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it shouldn't be like we said earlier. It shouldn't be a time to air a whole bunch of dirty laundry or to say, yeah, you know, you're not great at placing catheters. It's like, well, you know, we should have addressed this at the time. It shouldn't be something that was saved. Uh, but at the end of the day, just keeping in mind, the whole point of performance management, even you know beyond performance reviews, is that improvement of skills or soft skills, hard skills, you know, and how that that contributes to the the company.
1: Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, I know we've, we're, we're going to really dig into the whole performance review system, but I thought a little history would be helpful. And so what we do in Oculus is we've cultivated it and developed it, worked with it at my own practice is what we would call it a 360 degree uh, peer review, anonymous peer review, right. which means that for every person that's getting reviewed, they get feedback from their peers and, and different roles. So it's not just vets evaluating vets, so if you're looking at a practice, like I'm just think of ones that we worked with last week, you'll have a veterinarian but reception, mm-hmm. uh, the veterinary uh, technicians or nurses, management, of course, mm-hmm. but every person usually has six to eight people that are giving feedback on it, and I love that. One of the things I love about it is that as a manager, you're not seeing what a person does all the time. No. In fact, you often rarely see them at work. So you're not going to see the great things that they do, uh, the strengths that they have, whereas the peers see those.
0: That's true. And I mean, on the flip side, too, sometimes there are certain employees who are a different employee when the boss is around versus when the boss isn't around. And we've definitely seen that in the employee engagement surveys and the reviews that we've done. So having that balanced, I mean... It, it may take some more work to set up a peer review but as a manager writing a peer review that input is just so useful otherwise mm. it's it's really a lopsided situation
1: i compiled one this morning and i just you get the feedback from other layers you're like i thought so but to hear another person talk so well about another person with examples it's like that's wow who knew mm. that's great
0: I was just going to say, just to be clear, generally with the peer reviews, you as the manager, you're the only one that sees the peer review feedback verbatim. So, you know, I definitely in the past, I've seen peer review input and, and followed up with the person that provided that input, but I would never include input word for word unless it's something wonderful. Yeah. And I definitely have put quotes in put to people's reviews before, but I always ask first, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just to make sure that it's okay.
1: I think the other thing with the peer review, too, is that it eliminates a lot of bias. Yeah. As a manager, you can have a favorite. It happens.
0: Totally. Yeah. And so
1: you got to have an ex- exceptional performer, but they took your parking spot a couple of weeks ago and you're still hung up on it. <laughs> yeah. You go to the real extreme and then, you know, maybe you don't score them as well. Yeah. Or, or we have seen too often uh, favorites of a clinic. And, yep. you know, there's some people who do, you know, they're, they're not as good as they think they are, but management loves them. And then these people get great scores and raises and everybody else is like, but we don't like them. They're yeah. not very good.
0: Yeah. Or, you know, it's, it's a classic thing. Uh, we've seen it time and time again, where a star employee, they might uh, generate a lot of revenue or they're useful with clients but they're uh, hell on wheels with the rest of the staff and they're really disruptive. So, you know, that peer, and you might love them because you're like, Hey, this is my highest producer, but at what cost for everybody else? And, you know, maybe they're causing people to leave uh, or, you know, they're, they're causing people to not be as effective as they can be because they dread working with these people. So that's something that to consider as well.
1: So talk to us about what needs to be in, in this employee review.
0: Yeah, so we already touched on uh, that peer input. But as far as putting the, the actual review together, uh, you know, we've talked all the time about core values uh, and we talk about culture. And we really believe that at least half of the review needs to be a reporting of how the person has done in light of your core values. So if the core value is accountability, then how accountable are they? If the core value is team focus. How team focused are they? To us, it's as important that they get along and that they positively contribute to the culture of the company as it is how well they can place a catheter or take an x-ray or something like that. So those soft skills, I think it should be well understood that in general, in life, you know, to be really successful, you have to have excellent soft skills, emotional intelligence, self-awareness, all that stuff. Those are usually wrapped up in the core values and they're really important.
1: I find this part to be the most critical of it because... Yeah this makes or breaks your team. And I think a lot of people we have our values, but they're papers on the wall and they're sort of referred to in passing. Mm-hmm. But nothing says our values are important, our team culture is important then you know what half of what your review is going to be is how well you demonstrate them, how well you live them. Yeah. And that's how you ensure that you have a good culture, that everybody's on the same team because during these reviews you identify those that aren't
0: hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, if you think about core values, when you have people that are, are operating within your core values, you're sort of closer to like a, a nucleus, like a tight knit nucleus. But then when you have people who are acting outside the core values, then it sort of gets spread out, and it just really weakens the entire culture. So even having one person who is extremely disruptive, or who isn't in line with your core values, it has such a terrible impact on the team, particularly if everybody else is on the bus. Yep. So. It can be really devastating. And like I said before, it can tend to lead to people leaving. And uh, we know how expensive employee turnover is and, you know, the cost of training a new person. And uh, it's really, you know, you can't avoid having the conversations with that type of employee for sure.
1: Yep.
0: So that's the one half. Uh, and then the second half of the review uh, is is more tied up in the specific tasks uh, or skills that they're expected to have. So, you know, it might not be really, really specific things like how well do you do dentals? How well do you take x-rays? How well do you X, Y, Z? It's more, you know, what's your clerical ability like, or how much do you contribute when there are meetings or special projects, those types of things. So, it's more of a general hygiene of like how you're contributing in uh, more administrative ways. Sometimes with leadership, uh, say, if we're reviewing practice owners or partners, it's more about how, how they're showing up for the staff. And uh, so that's really what the second half is made of. And then the, the best part, the most fun part, is the self-reflection that should go along in a review. So it's a series of questions. And it's just uh, really giving the employee a chance to think about their performance and think about the future.
1: And one of the things we should mention is with the peer review, there's also the self review part. So mm-hmm. for every question that we're asking peers to for feedback on, the individual comments themselves.
0: Yeah. So you for know. the entire review. yeah. Yeah. So it should really be an accounting of... Ideally, there should be a lot of positive feedback in the review. It shouldn't just be all negative feedback. You know, we tend to think review, perfect. This is the time we can say all the bad stuff, but really highlighting the positive and and creating that culture of appreciation and and noticing when people do things right is is really important when we're talking about performance management for
1: sure. So we typically get two questions when we talk to businesses about these employee reviews. First is, well, everybody's just gonna score themselves really high
0: hmm.
1: And uh, we found and one of the, you came up with this several years ago where we sort of have examples of what a seven looks like or what an eight looks like. And having those guidelines, it's rare to have the manager review to be more than one to two percent different than a self-review.
0: Yeah. I mean, sometimes when you have newer staff or sometimes younger staff who maybe didn't read the instructions, <laughs> they might score themselves all as 10s. All as but, you know, when you're at a 10 or you're at, you know, exceeds expectations, that's somebody who's like a company-wide mentor or the authority in this position, et cetera, et cetera. So once you sort of bring it back into that realm of that scoring guide, like you're talking about, it, it really, it takes away a lot of those question marks. And you can ask somebody, well, tell me from your your side of things why you think you're a 9. Mm-hmm. and maybe you've missed something and you know every review that you and I've done recently we said you know this is this isn't all set in stone if you really disagree with something let's talk about it and i think we only had one yep. where somebody said this doesn't really sound right can we talk about it more but other than that like you know it should still be a discussion sure you used to work at a, an accounting firm and basically you got told your to review and then you left and there was like no no room for you to a provide any input whatsoever or B, have any kind of discussion about why things were scored the way they were. And that's just such a patriarchal sort of old school way of doing things and really just useless. Yeah. So, you know, having that that well-rounded, having that that review that's really trying to spur people on to discussions about their progress and about their professional development, that, that should really be the point of the review. And it should be written with that point of view in mind. Yeah. Not as like a gotcha or oh if I finally get to tell them how much I don't like them. Like let's grow up a little <laughs> and do yeah. a little bit better.
1: The second question and I've gotten this recently as last week is somebody said, Well, can't the staff all get together and just say, Hey, the higher we score each other, the higher, you know, we may get a raise if you tie in compensation to this. So I'm like, I have never seen that. Like Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No.
0: no, and I mean it's not like you we discourage people from having discussions about their performance in relation to anybody else or, you know, in most in North America, anyway, you can't stop from, people from talking, discussing their wages with other people. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it really hasn't happened that people collude <laughs> to pump up all of their scoring. Uh, I mean, it would be pretty obvious yeah. as the manager, or whoever's writing the reviews, if that
1: was the case. So talk to us about, you know, the reviews, the one time a year thing. But mm-hmm. as you mentioned earlier, that's not enough. And that really shouldn't be the focus of it. So what's the alternative?
0: No. Uh, so the alternative, and really, it should be in conjunction with, uh, but bare minimum, we should be doing check-ins with people. So having an ongoing dialogue with people, uh, it could be an alternative to the yearly review, depending on how you figure out your compensation. And that's a piece we didn't necessarily talk about, uh, is you know having that comprehensive review can give you a score, which you can use in conjunction with a wage matrix to to really make it obvious what's required to achieve certain raises. But these check-ins, they're really helpful as well. And they focus on the present and the future. Uh, And, you know, you might talk here and there about if somebody has a goal they've been working on, let's talk about how that's progressed in the last month or the last six weeks. But they're really focusing on what's next and how we can help. There was a study uh, that showed that check-in meetings with managers and staff improved performance And it didn't even have to focus on a particular task or skill. Just having that conversation was enough to improve performance, which I think is pretty uh, amazing. Just feeling like you have the support and that your manager knows what you're doing and they have your back, that really contributes to that employee engagement, which is the the whole thing that we're trying to improve uh, when we're doing anything HR-related with employees. So in the review, it can serve a number of purposes. In addition to talking about goal progress, uh, it can be a time to give constructive feedback if need be. If there's something that, for whatever reason, didn't get talked about right when it happened or in the moment, then it can be a chance to give that feedback in a more thoughtful way. Uh, You can also think of it as a stay interview. So we often, we worry about doing exit interviews because we want to know why somebody left. Uh, But I challenge people to think about these stay interviews where you're asking people, why are you here? Obviously with different wording than that, but what is it that makes you stay here? And is there anything we can do to make it better? Having that ongoing concern about how we're showing up as leaders and as managers is really just as important as the feedback that we're giving the other
1: way. You know, as the practice owner, we have such a problem with retention right now. Mm-hmm. Don't you want to identify this well in advance?
0: Yeah.
1: Of somebody saying, I've resigned and there are things you could have done months, years ago. Yeah. To not yeah. be in that position.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's just so important to have that ongoing conversation. I mean, maybe somebody won't be completely honest and there's not a ton you can do about that. All of this said, these check-ins really work best in a culture where honest feedback is encouraged anyway. If you're in a culture where things are swept under the rug or one person does something wrong and everybody gets the fire hose effect of getting in trouble for it because we don't have the courage to bring things up to individuals, then it might not work as well or it might be something that you really have to work on. But, you know, having these check-ins in a culture where values are clear and leadership is is living those values, where we're giving feedback and it's expected that we're going to talk to people about hard things, when we have that high level of trust, then these check-ins can be so useful. And we have to be able to be candid with people. And we have to be able to address the uncomfortable truths, uh, you know, and have frank conversations. Otherwise, people continue to get rewarded for doing the wrong thing. Uh, and issues aren't addressed, and it takes a toll on everybody else so you know there might be some work that needs to be done as far as overall communication and how we address performance issues, but I still suggest that it's it's something that every company can benefit from no matter sort of where you are in the performance management spectrum
1: absolutely one of the things I, I note I would say on that too is that if everybody knows they're getting uh, reviewed throughout the year, typically when there's a a problem employee, just like when you have an exceptional employee, the peer feedback is going to be consistent. Mm -hmm. And when there's a problem employee and that subject is not brought up Mm -hmm. and you're doing these reviews and all the other employees go, I put down some stuff and nothing has changed. They start losing faith in the whole process.
0: Absolutely. It undermines everything for sure. Like, what's the point of sticking my neck out and providing this tough feedback if nothing happens? And I I totally respect that for sure. One thing about these check-ins, so these check-in meetings we're talking about is it's important for managers to be trained on how to have these conversations in an effective way. Thinking about training them on really basic performance coaching for employees. And it's it's not uh, rocket science. It's not something that takes a lot of time. But it's important for the managers to understand what the point of these meetings are and how they can help spur the conversation along, because really it should be a two-way street. If anything, the employees should come in better prepared than the manager is and sort of give an update and and talk about goals and talk about the support they need. And, you know, we had a podcast before where we talked about the value of investing time and education into employees who are sort of your B-level employees. So you've got your star employees, and that's great. But those B employees can be an untapped resource at your practice as well. You know, the people who are sort of the meets expectations people, it's like, well, what if we encourage them to be or provided support for them to be uh, above expectations employee? You know, maybe they just don't know what it takes. So having these check-in meetings can be a means to talk to those people and see what it is they need and maybe uncover some gems that have been covered
1: up until that point. And I can say as a practice owner, and I'm thinking of a review you and I have to do, Mm -hmm. Later today, where that has been the case over a number of years, and and now I look forward to having this review. And I can say this because this will be published after the review (laughs) will happen. Is you know you've got a person that there are some goals that they had and they have worked on, and this review is just going to be a confirmation and a validation of their hard work and the progress they made. And I'm really excited to have this and and seeing this person's uh, self review comments. They acknowledge it too. They see it.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a great sidebar. Ideally, reviews in general, whether it's a check-in meeting, you know, an informal 15 minute check-in meeting, or it's the whole review process, it should be a celebration of what they've accomplished. It shouldn't be just a bitch session about what they didn't do. And, you know, that is, you know, when I was saying facetiously at the beginning that it's the most wonderful time of year, it really can be if you are doing performance management right, you should be looking forward to these performance reviews, give people this wonderful feedback. It's really gratifying and energizing to give people that positive feedback that they deserve. Absolutely. I think the other thing just to mention about having the check-in meetings is you might think about means to kind of ongoing uh, recording of feedback. So whether you have peer feedback about a certain person that comes in here or there, and it's not necessarily gathered as part of a yearly review, uh, you could start to develop that culture of appreciation and culture of recognition to have people just send you that feedback all the time. It could be integrated into like a gold star type program where people submit, hey, this person did a really good job of you know this and it applies to this core value. Recording all of that stuff so you have it when it's you're doing a check-in or when it's yearly review time, that can also help you um, balance out your feedback. And then also, if there's any recognition that's come from clients, that's something that should be taken into consideration Mm. when you're doing any kind of review as well, often, and it's just the way it is. And anybody with a Google review account knows it can be horrifying when you get those negative reviews. But generally, a lot of the reviews on those sites are positive and your staff need to hear about them, especially if there's something specific that pertains to them just having the best well-rounded feedback is the best way to go when you're doing any kind of performance management. It can't just be your opinion.
1: Yeah. Uh, What I like, and you know, you've you've done a good review session is when the people walk out happy, excited with a path forward. And then when you do have these check-ins like you're talking about, because that's so critical, you have a basis of where to go with your check-in and Mm -hmm. it's not coming out of the blue and people realize that there's a, a foundation to this. Yeah. You know, when you meet again in the year, you'll be able to talk about like how well they've done on areas yeah. where they want to. And I hate saying it because we're always like, areas where you can improve upon. It's like, that's so, I don't know, I feel like it's scolding. But, mm-hmm. you know, things they want to work on or things they've identified themselves that they wanted to develop that you said in the self review, you can find just gems of ideas of areas they want to work on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that's self development. Yeah. It shouldn't be negative. Yeah. It can be really fun to have those follow ups, you know, time can be an issue, or we can perceive this as something that maybe isn't worth the time. But I absolutely guarantee if you make time for this, your staff will say, hey, they actually care about us, and they care about giving us this feedback. And that's just a really valuable thing. Because yep. often, it's like, oh, we don't have time. It's like, the adage is, if you say you don't have time to do something, that means it's not important. Yep. And that's the way it is with performance reviews or these check in meetings as well.
1: Yeah, I think the, the performance reviews, I mean, we've talked a lot about culture of appreciation, developing a strong culture, and this performance review and the ongoing feedback really solidifies all of this together. I think the one area you hinted upon that we didn't really dig into is that these, in our practice, in the Oculus way, is tied into compensation. Mm-hmm. And that is, um, you know, depending on their score and salary ranges for the job it's a very transparent and objective way for somebody to know how they can increase their compensation. Totally. Uh, too often we, we see this in employee engagement surveys and people's question well, on what basis did I get a raise?
0: Yeah. I have no idea how that works yeah, or I just, had to beg or it's been 18 years.
1: <laughs> yeah. These are all true comments. Unfortunately. Yes. But when you have this engagement, there's a, a tiered system. And so if I, work hard, and I get myself an 85, I will get this amount of rates. Mm-hmm. And so there's, you know, you're taking all the uh, subjectivity out of it.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it, it really builds accountability as well. Yes, You know, and and I, you know, that's something we didn't mention when we were talking about peer reviews, there's that, that element of accountability in there as well. Because, you know, when I talked earlier about the person who's one person to the partners of the owners of the company, and they're another person to their peers, you can't hide if you're getting a peer review. Yeah that idea of accountability is really heightened without it being really punitive.
1: Mm -hmm. Anything else you want to say? We have seen the system work, not just my own practice, but in numerous other practices and numerous other countries. And it works.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And when done well, the employees really, really love it, feel valued, feel that they have a way to grow and develop, and they have some control on how much money they make.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think you said it all.
1: All right. Katie, we decided not to do wins and fails, maybe because the fails, like there's enough garbage going on in the world. Mm -hmm. Let's not talk about any more of that. We all have it. What I thought is let's talk about something that has inspired us recently. Mm -hmm. And I can go first because I'm on a bit of a high after coming back from this World Veterinary Association Congress. And that really was amazing. I've gone to a lot of conventions where I've walked out feeling yeah, all the same, uh, or sometimes even competitive, or I feel like I'm not doing well enough compared to how some of my peers are doing. This one, I walked out going, ah, I sort of got back in touch a while I got into vet medicine in the first place. And really the inspiration for it, we're in the United Arab Emirates and uh they have a new veterinary college now. Mm. And they have like everywhere else, predominantly female, and we had a session that a uh, yope Lomans from the Netherlands moderated on how to retain staff. And so, re- retain staff in practice. So, we're coming in there with the Western mindset of, oh, yeah, we're going to, uh, we got to worry about people leaving, burnout, all the stuff that is challenging us in Canada, America, Europe, everywhere. But we get into the session and there are vets from Africa, young female vets from the UAE. And they started talking about how socially veterinarians are not held in high esteem, or these young female students, how female vets in particular where they live are uh, is is really frowned upon. And what was inspiring that all these people are doing it because they love animals. And regardless of societal pressures or uh societal thoughts on the profession, they do it anyhow. Mm-hmm. And It was so inspiring to hear them talk and really share some of the challenges. A, it put a lot of the stuff that we think about in the Western world in perspective. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it was just in spite of the hardships they have, they still are in it for the right reason. And I just, I walked out of that room floating on a cloud. It was just being around such amazing people who are in love with the profession and see the value of the profession was amazing.
0: Wow. That's great. I love it. Uh, So on my side, I, for the last few or last few months, I've been taking a executive professional coaching program uh, with the eventual idea of becoming a professional coach, just sort of augment what I do with Oculus. And these sessions are sort of nine to five, three days, all day on Zoom, really small groups and really, really interactive and incredibly hands-on. So, you know, after four hours, we were chucked (laughs) into. to, uh, coach each other, which is terrifying, but you know, now three courses in, we're all a little bit, or a lot more confident with what we're doing. And part of this course was, you know, we had to bring something from our own lives that we were going to sort of dissect and talk about throughout the weekend with various people. And just, um, what really reminded me of, uh, the weekend really reminded me of is the power of vulnerability mm-hmm. and, you know, how, talking about hard stuff and seeking help with your hard stuff can just be so transformative. And, you know, we were learning how to coach, but we were also being coached and uh, just uh, seeing how people open up and how much support they get and and the sort of transformation that can happen with people uh, is really incredible. So that was something that really inspired me over the last few days is is that power of vulnerability. Once again, I feel like we should do an entire podcast on it.
1: Yeah. Over and over and over.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: No kidding. So yeah, that that is a great story too. So, you know, it was the same thing because the people in this room were being very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we know, uh, as Brené Brown often says, you can only be courageous by being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And these people were being vulnerable, which really touched me because they were very courageous people.
0: Absolutely. What a theme. Look at that. Good one. Yeah.
1: If any of you uh, have questions or would like our assistance in implementing uh, an employee review process, you can reach out to us, info at oculusinsights.net. Until the next time, thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to hire the smile brought to you by oculus insights our goal at oculus is to support veterinary businesses around the world by helping you clear your path to success this episode was produced and edited by heather mcpherson special thanks to Alyssa rubenstein for doing the amazing marketing that she does for oculus you can see what we are up to by checking us out on facebook instagram and linkedin and our website oculusinsights.net If you think you could use a business advisor or performance coach, go to advicebyoculus.com. See you next time.